everyone. Hi, Tanika. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Drama. Hi, Marianne. Hi, everybody. Again, we just want to say thanks for listening, liking, and subscribing. We truly, truly appreciate it. So, Marianne, how are you? What's going on? What's your drama today? I'm doing great. I do have a little bit of drama with my parenting style, and I would just like some help, some tips, some tricks to understanding, am I doing this right? What am I doing? So I'm soliciting your advice today. Well, while I do have 25 years of experience, I certainly do not have all of the answers. So why don't we go through and define some of the parenting styles and see which one we which ones we can identify with and maybe get some tips and tricks for both of us. That sounds great. Do you have some research that we can go through? Yeah, so I was looking at some of the more traditional parenting styles, and um, there are actually four, authoritative, authoritarian, permissive, and neglectful. So I'm just going to give you quick definitions of what those are. Authoritarian focuses on obedience and punishment over discipline. So it's like, you know, what I say goes, listen to me. Don't say anything. I don't care about your feelings. Authoritative creates positive relationships and enforced rules. So, you know, you do have a lot of boundaries, but you take into consideration what your child feels, how they think. You may take in, you know, say, what's your opinion? How do you like these rules? And try to come up with it a little bit more together and in consideration of what your child is feeling or thinking. Permissive, you don't enforce rules. Kids will be kids. Um, you kind of let them do what they do. If they fall, they'll get up eventually. You know, you kind of give them the ability to grow on their own, but with very little guidance from you, but you are still involved. And then finally is the opposite, uninvolved, where you're just kind of like sitting in a chair watching TV while your kid does whatever it is they do. You're not really paying attention to grades or behaviors or whatever. You know, it's, it's like you think your job is done once you've brought the person into the world. Now they can get the rest on their own. Oh, that sounds interesting and a little bit dangerous. Very dangerous. <laughs> that last definition, uninvolved. <laughs> Well, I looked up some what I call kind of new age parenting styles, because what you described, I could see um, a lot of that reflected in my parents. I'm not sure. I'm sure some of those, uh, my kids would say that I, I, I parent that way. But I found these different ones. Tiger parenting, for example. It's a strict, demanding, pushy parent that is very focused in their kids excelling academically. So everything that they do is, is focused on um, how they're going to advance in, in life, you know, academically and then professionally. And these parents set firm rules and use forcible tactics to drive their kids toward success. So you wouldn't allow, for example, your child to go to a sleepover because that's fun and there's nothing productive academically that's going to come out of that. So there's no fun. Everything has to have a reason. Then there's helicopter parenting, 
which I think we, a lot of us, when we started to parent, this term kind of, right, started to, to gain some traction. And mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with helicopter parenting. So parents that don't want their kids to get hurt, you know, the kids are like 15 and they don't know how to cross the street because your parents have always crossed with you. Um, they just hover over every move and make sure that the kids are always safe. It's very fear-based, fear-based right. parenting. And let's see. The other one is the snowplow. I also am very, I, I learned this term. When I learned it, I was like, oh, I know a lot of parents that are this way. So they are parents that are, they want to push everything away, all of the obstacles away from their children. They never want their children to be unhappy, distressed, worried, or fearful. They don't want their children to have to deal with like disappointment or hardship. So this would be, for example, the parent that if your kid doesn't win the championship, it doesn't matter. You have a trophy in your car. Don't (laughs) feel okay with that. You know, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't cry, little Johnny. I have your trophy in your car. You're a champion in my heart. So they have that there. Or I was also thinking of the parents that um, paid for their kids to get into the college that they wanted to with that candle, that scandal. Yeah. That's a snowplow parent as well. You know, Absolutely. you can't deal with not getting into UCLA. You have to pay their way in so that they can tell all their friends that they got in. And then the last one is the panda. And the panda is a parent that kind of lets their kids explore. They provide structure, but they kind of realize that they need to let their children find their own way. So I thought that that was an interesting definition, the panda, the the panda parent. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of these new age parenting styles? So I don't relate, but that's because... My mother raised me (laughs) and my mother had no time for any of what you just said. (laughs) She was more not authoritative. Obviously, Uh, I never got um, spankings or anything like that. But my mother was very, you know, definitely she had boundaries for Mm -hmm. certain. She had boundaries. And I think that was really good. So I feel like I kind of mimic what she did. Now, granted, it is very different now than it was then, but I still try to give my kids boundaries. I still try to give them chores and love and listen to their input, but not let it overrule. You know, I try not to be a um, pushover either. So it's, you know what, I take from a bunch of different parenting styles as with many people do. And just like, you know, your kids are different. You may have to parent them in different ways. So I think I'm a little bit of a bunch of stuff, just not the, not the bad ones. Not the bad ones. (laughs) Not the ones I consider bad. So what do you identify with? So it's kind of like you, I think that in different situations, I might, you know, pick and choose from them. I don't think like sometimes I I will be a a helicopter because I just fear, you know, some that my kids will be in danger. So I do try to protect them, but maybe I don't protect them as much as some other people that I consider are really helicopter parents. Um, So I struggle with that one. 
the snowplow, I've been in situations where, you know, you might not win the trophy. I'm like, it's okay. We'll just go eat ice cream. You know, like you always <laughs> want to appease them and make sure that they don't have a bad day because if they have a bad day, then you have a really bad day. So it's, it's just survival, right? I'm right. not getting the trophy for them, but I am not necessarily letting them deal with their emotions, right? I'm trying to give them something to, to, to make them feel better. So I have been guilty of that. I won't go as far as like putting in a college application for them. I won't do that, but I could be, I could be that way. The tiger, I don't think I'm ever a pushy mom that is like all about academics and wants kids to just excel and values that over them being unhappy. Um, no, I wouldn't say that one. And then the panda, I'm just confused about. Like, is the panda good? Is the panda bad? I don't know. If it's bad, I don't want to. I don't want to be the panda. But if, if it's good, I'll take it. But I don't think I'm as relaxed as a panda. I think I'm more like the old school ones. Yeah. So I think a lot of people kind of um, relate to the authoritarian, where they have some boundaries, but they also listen to what their kids want to give them the feelings, the inputs, you know, but, you know, you're still not gonna, you don't run the house. I'm still the mom. I'm still the dad. I'm still your parent. So, you know, what I say ultimately goes, but it's for your best interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe because I worked with children for so many years, I also feel like you don't really gain a lot of traction with children when you're just telling them do as I say, not as I do. I think at a certain point, children grow grow up and they realize that you're not, you know, the God and the goddess that that they were, or that you once were when they were really little, right? They realize Mm -hmm. you just, she's just human. She just, she makes mistakes. She forgets. Um, So at some point you have to like start really, I think, respecting them and making sure that they understand that, you know, we're all people and we're going to respect each other and I'm your parent and you're going to respect me. But I also respect that you're a person, you know, you're not just going to have to do what I say because I said so. You have to do it because it makes sense and because it's the best for you. Right. Um, Along the lines of being a person. So I've been struggling with this a little bit lately how much of a person do I let my children know that I am? You know, how many flaws do I allow them to see of me? How human do I make myself outside of being the perfect mother? And I am not the perfect mother, you know what I mean? But they know me as whatever structure they've had with me for however long they've been with me. But do I then let them in on the fact that maybe mommy is a little has a little anxiety. Maybe mommy is a little, you know, she gets depressed. Mommy maybe doesn't make all the best decisions, not on the first try. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Even if, you know, as a, as a woman, as a person, not just, and in fact, sometimes I've made some parenting mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how much of that do you let them in on is that good for them to see, do you think, so they can realize that they can grow up and not be perfect and and not strive to be this great, you know, the great mommy figure that you were, but because you weren't that either. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How much do you let them in on? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I struggle with that too because I feel like they should know, like it's okay to make mistakes, but I also want them to know, like be reflective. Don't be a person that's like, yeah, it's okay, I made a mistake and then it's okay that I made another one and it's okay that I made another one and maybe that's just like my own perfection and being an overachiever. So I don't, I don't want to send a message that's like too, you know, oh yeah, we could just be flaky all over the place. No, we got to get our stuff together. We're not going to be flaky. You can realize that you made mistakes, but at some point you have to take responsibility is a word that I use a lot in my parenting and accountability. You have to be accountable. You have to say you made a mistake. You have to be responsible for the things that you do. So it's a balance. You're right. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, one that I'm still learning. I started the show with saying I have 25 years of experience, which I do. I have a 25 year old and I have three children all together. So, you know, I've done mothering a lot. I get it, but I still don't know. Mothering for the 25 year old is different than for the 16 year old, is different than for the girl, Mm -hmm. is different now than it was then. You know, it's so, they are different. They need a different version of me as a mother and a different version of their dad as a father um, because they are different people and they have different needs. So I don't think that I will ever be able to say, well, this is the one perfect way that you can be a great parent Mm -hmm. because there there is no one perfect way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I do think it's important to like no matter what you're doing to build a really strong relationship with your child, like a strong, healthy relationship so that they can always rely on you, talk to you, know that they can come home. Like no matter what you're doing and all the mistakes that you do, I think that that has to be, you know, at the forefront. And that's hard because, you know, am I spending enough time with them? And am I spending enough time talking to them? Um, Is it quality time? It's, you know, we have a lot of, I think, questions about how we're parenting. Is it working? And then what results are we going to get from whatever type of parenting we're doing? Absolutely. And then you're kind of caught up in this um, rat race of what's the most important thing you need to do. Is it take care of yourself? Because some people say if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of your children. Mm -hmm. Is it, are your kids the most important thing because they can't fend for themselves. So you've got to do all the fending until they can, until you've taught them how to do it. Is it, you know, you got to take care of your spouse because without that relationship, the house will crumble. So, you know, it's really so many decisions and so many different choices that you have to make every single day about what to do, who to put first, where to be, you know, how many activities, is so much that again, I don't think that there is one perfect way, but we keep, you know, just keep day by day as long as they don't die. I guess it was a successful day. We're doing okay. Halfway there. C plus. They're alive. C plus. That's what you got to strive for every single day. You know, one thing I struggle with, and I, I wonder if this happens to you. Sometimes my kids will criticize my parenting and I wonder, am I doing it wrong? Or are you giving me that feedback because of who you are? You know what I, does that make any sense? You know, so they might say like, oh, you don't hug me enough or, 
you don't like to spend time with me. You know, I'm like, well, am I doing this right? Is it okay that I'm watching my own TV show for three hours because I wanted some me time? You see, you start to question, you know, like, am I giving you enough love? And is this really about you or is it about what I'm doing as a parent? Yeah. So what are some of your challenges then of raising teenage girls or of being a parent in general? Well, I think in general that just making sure that I'm giving enough love um, and that feedback from them of you're not doing this right. You know, is it really, is it them just being teenagers? Because that's the stage that we're at. Every stage is different and has its, its difficulties. So that's where mm -hmm. we're at now. Um, and the hardest thing for me right now is preparing my kids for adulthood, which you've been through because you have a 25 year old. Uh, that to me is terrifying right now. You know, you're going to drive, you're going to college, you're going to leave the house. No matter what kind of parenting I was doing before, I was never the neglectful parent. So I was always protecting my child. But now it's going to be out of my hands, Tanika, and that's hard. It's extremely difficult and it never gets any easier. Yeah. Let me just say that. So when we um, we just went on a family trip to um, San Diego just this week, and my son does not live where we live. So he flew to San Diego as well, the oldest one. He flew to San Diego as well. And then as we're leaving, you know, I'm making sure that everybody's packed. I'm making, including the 25-year-old. I'm making sure that everyone has hand sanitizer. Do you all have your masks? Uh, did everyone buy snacks? Do you have the snacks that you need for your plane ride? Did, did everyone go to the bathroom? It's a 25-year-old man. I just still can't let it go. It's a 16-year-old young man. I just cannot let it go that I need to be the one that is providing and protecting. And so, you know, when he's in his city, I can't see him. The best I can do is get a phone call, maybe a FaceTime. <laughs> no, I know. It's really hard. And I keep thinking how I've always seen these graduations and these mothers that are just crying hysterically. I'm like, why are they, why are they crying like that? This is an exaggeration. It's a buildup for like a year. I think you're thinking of everything that's going to happen when this child, you know, leaves your house and goes on to do other things. Um, so I'm already feeling that I feel that buildup of, wow, life is about to change and things are about to get out of control. So I don't cry that much. I, or my family says I do, but I don't feel like I cry that much. I'm not super emotional. Right. So we took my son DeAndre to college and I knew that I'd be able to take him up and drop him off and come back home. And I've seen these posts, you know, where the mother is bawling out of control. And I'm like, what is wrong with her? You know, he'll be fine. He's two, two hours away from home. Go visit. When I dropped that baby off at that college, <laughs> I know I cried for at least 45 minutes, blubbering crying. <laughs> it was awful. I could not stop crying. And I was driving home. Um, so, cause you know, we had several cars, blah, blah, blah. So I had to drive and I could not get it together. And then I cried periodically for the next two days. So <laughs> if you want to cry, I feel like that gave me the authority to give everybody else the authority. Cry if you like, it's okay. It's perfectly acceptable. 
Yeah, and I'm not a crier either. And I'm getting to the point where like, I'm about to cry just talking about it, you know, lately. So it's, yeah. I get it. It's a it's a real life change. And I'm feeling it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a big change. One of the I think one of the challenges for me is, um, as, well, with all three of them, but knowing when to let them do it for themselves, whatever it is, you know, uh, like choosing your high school classes. Not that I'm a tiger mom, but, you know, I'm like, well, Jaden, these are the things that are going to be exactly what you need so that you can major in what you want to major in and excel. Mm -hmm. This is my opinion. But if he doesn't want to do that and not in a, like a detrimental way, whereas he only wants to take gym courses, but you know, if he wants to take computer graphics versus computer design, whatever. And I'm like, well, I think you should do this. You know, when do I let him kind of control his destiny? At what point do I give him a little bit more say in what he does? Same thing with my little one. She tried to do a dance, hated it. So do I let her quit? Is that the, do I give her the freedom to do what she wants? Or do I say, you know, we're not a family of quitters. <laughs> you know, I, I struggle with when do I let them make a decision for themselves? I say, not if I paid for it. If I paid for it, you're going to every class. So the next time you make a choice, you know what you're getting yourself into. That would be my, that would be right. my, the, the way that I would handle it. But I guess that would be more what authoritative or authoritarian. I don't know. But that might be authoritative. You know, I paid for it. You're doing it. You're not wasting <laughs> my money. You're not wasting my money. Right. Um, so that's what I would do. But as far as the classes, I, I kind of let my kids have some freedom in, in those things. I'm not super controlling that way for academically and sometimes I feel like I should be a little bit more involved or sometimes they'll ask me something and they, they're asking me for days and days and days and I'm like just make the choice already are you dropping the class or are you keeping the class I can't anymore so but high school counselor situation is just not for me I cannot do yeah. that yeah so I also something that's been um challenging especially since we've gotten our youngest a phone now what do you do with social media like how is this helping hurting how do you use it and control it so my kids had phone very headphones very early on because they would like ride the bus or ride a bike home so it became a really cost-effective way to provide aftercare to give my kids a phone so they had a phone for some time and then with that they started to ask for you know, the social media stuff. So then I think Instagram was probably the first one. So then they had access to Instagram and then I think it was Snap. Um, so I struggle a little bit. I, I've always let them do it because working with children, I know that if you don't let them do it, they're going to create an account on their friend's phone. And then when they get to school, they're just going to switch phones and they're going to have this whole world that you never know about. So I, I didn't want to create that situation where they had, you know, this other whole other life besides yeah. you know, the one that, that they're living. So, but even with that, they, they talk about accounts that are, they have names. I can't even remember what they are, but they're like, it's like the family Instagram, but then there's like, I think it's a Finsta, right? Like a fake Insta. Right. And then yep. you have 
something like that. So, I mean, if that's the worst thing you're doing, you know, fine, create your fake Insta, create your fake Snapchat, create all of that. The way that I handle it is with fear. I say stories about kids that posted things and how it got them in trouble or, you know, how someone took an inappropriate picture and posted it and what that happened, or I'll actually forward them. And I think they think that this is super annoying, but I think it's really effective articles. Oh, look on CNN, this kid, look what happened to him forward to the family (laughs) chat. Look at this girl, what happened to her? Forward to the family chat. Every single opportunity that I have to teach through something that happened on the news, I do it. (laughs) And they think it's so annoying. Why do you keep sending us this? Because I'll ask them, did you see the article? So I'm the mom, the article mom. But I even do that for social media. I, I, There's just no way to monitor. These kids are moving so fast. There's so many more apps. You can't stay ahead of them. You can't join every app to be their friend. And then again, if you don't let them do it, they're probably going to do it. So I just try to make sure that they understand that it would be really disappointing to find like some horrible pictures of you on the internet. And um, my husband is always saying, it's going to follow you. It's going to follow you for life. So I don't know if they get that part, but it's, that it's coming at them both both ways. Every every way they turn, someone's saying something about social media. Yeah, so we do we kind of do that fear thing a little bit with um well the oldest now, he's he was kinda at the age where he started when Facebook started, right? That's when he got his phone. Or mm, something like that, somewhere around it. It was very new. And he begged us for a Facebook account. This is dating my son at this point. And we never let him do it because I just felt like the world was just going to be way too big. It was going to be way too much for him to digest as an 11 year old with the phone. So we didn't let him do it. And then one day um, I got a a French, um, a friend request from, (laughs) it was a different name, but it was my son. He had made an account <laughs> and because I don't know, whatever the algorithm was, it thought that he and I should be friends. You, should, so, you definitely should be friends. The algorithm <laughs> was right. <laughs> so I showed it to him. I was like, do you think I should accept this friend request? Oh my God. He was like, oh, mom, I didn't mean to do it. I was at school and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the excuses came pouring out, but eventually we let him get uh, I don't think it was Facebook because at, by the time we were ready for him to do it, it was, you know, he no longer wanted a Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it was Instagram for him. That was his first thing as well. And then it was Snap. And then, you know, it was very quickly. He had a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I just wanted to be able to control and regulate because I didn't want it to have such a bad and negative effect on him. I just felt like it was going to be just all porn, just all like porn violence just in his face all day long. And um, and I just didn't know how to control it. So I said no. But then, just like you said, he kind of circumvented. <laughs> and there it was. But eventually, he seems like a well-functioning adult. So it worked. Whatever it was, it worked. Yeah. I think it's good sometimes to provide these boundaries, even if they fail. I, I think it allows kids to know, like, 
everything isn't allowed in my house, you know, so I got to be careful. There are some rules that I got to follow. Maybe at some point you won't have to follow them, but I do believe that a household that has rules is going to have kids that turn out to be a little bit better than the household that doesn't have any rules. And maybe it's just because I was raised with so many rules and I know that if they wouldn't have been there, I would have probably, you know, not turned out as great and wonderful as I turned out. <laughs> exactly. And such a good mom. Exactly right. <laughs> I would have done some things that aren't so good. So it's good to have rules for sure. Um, I just wanted to quickly talk about, you know, how do you handle, I, I want to give my experience real quick and then I'll let you give your experience yeah. talking about sex. So my mother in the eighties became one of the first people, she was a nurse, mm -hmm. became one of the first people to, um, actively and concentratedly care for people with HIV, mm -hmm. right? So she saw how HIV and AIDS could come and hurt someone, you know, kill most of them. And when she started, it was, there was no cure. There was no medicine. It was awful. Right. And that's the only people she cared for. That was her passion. Anyway. So translate that into when she talked to me about sex, she was like, I prefer you don't do it. But if you do condoms, protect yourself. It's never, ever will you be unprotected. So my mother had this extremely open policy <laughs> about talking about sex with me because she didn't have time to pussyfoot around it and, you know, possibly have me be in any kind of danger. Mm -hmm. Right. So she was just direct Therefore, I became that, you know, that kind of fell to me. I'm just very direct with them. I, does it make me comfortable and happy to talk about it? No. Yeah. But do I do it very directly and forthright? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want them to like misinterpret. <laughs> I don't want you having any doubts, any questions. So how do you deal with that? So for me, it's really uncomfortable. When I when I was a teenager, my mom really never talked to us about sex. It was just, you know, at school. And similarly to you, I was a teenager in the 90s where HIV was a really big thing. So there was like this whole sex ed initiative. There were kids that were trained to teach other kids. They were mm -hmm. like recruiting the cool kids to teach other kids about sex because they wanted you to listen. So, you know, the whole banana and condoms and all this stuff in high school, um, it, it was a lot of sexual education. So they took care, thank God for that. They, they educated <laughs> me well. And then, and then in college, I remember, you know, the freshman introduction, it was showing you all of the diseases and, you know, really graphic pictures of what could happen to you. So that was really scary because those pictures were really disgusting. So I feel like fear works. So I use, I use some of those same strategies about fear, but in terms of talking about the birds and the bees and stuff like that, I've never had that conversation. I've always just signed the paper. Like, yes, let someone show you the age appropriate video. <laughs> for this year I'll get to that some sometime so as they got older and then you know tv is so sexualized there's so much sex and sex scenes come on 
And I'm like, oh no, we're not watching that. And I forward through it. And so now they're old. They're 17 and 15. They're like, surely we could watch it now. <laughs> so, so we'll watch a little bit more of it. But I just try to tell them like, that's not really what sex is like. Like that's TV sex. That's not sex. Like don't right. let them fool you. That's not that great. That's not what it's like. And when they talk, when they talk about their friends and their friends having sex, then I bring up like, oh, she's going to get chlamydia. Do you know what chlamydia is? <laughs> For sure, she'll have gonorrhea if she's had so many sexual partners. <laughs> Mary, I don't think <laughs> that's the approach. Um, you can't sex shame these days, but I don't know. Whatever works. Is that keeping girls off the pole? That's that's the whole goal. Maybe <laughs> or just education. I think you know if I'm telling you about gonorrhea, is she gonna name her baby chlamydia? What's <laughs> so? <laughs> I guess it's the wrong approach. I should have better conversations, more educated conversations. Maybe I'll rent a video at the library and have them watch it or something because I'm really uncomfortable and and. My kid is going to college, so I need to make sure that she knows something. Yeah, yeah, she needs to be prepared. It's funny, uh, we DeAndre used to like to watch um, the Issa Rae show, Insecure. Yeah. And so did I, and it was an excellent show, but it was no way in the world I could watch it with him oh, yeah. because there might be a sex scene. And some <laughs> ones, very, very graphic yes. ones, yeah. So we would talk about it, but we would skip, you know, mm -mm, that's not something. Like I said, I'm very comfortable and direct about like the mechanics, the condoms, the waiting, the be respectful, but all the flair. I don't need any of that. No, thank you. No, no. I, and sometimes I don't know, like, let's just draw the line, you know, let's just have some conversations that are about the basics, but we don't really need to go all deep into these sex conversations either. I'm uh -oh. like, you know, life will, <laughs> as long as you protect yourself, life will, life, life will take care of that. You'll learn that. So yep, exactly. talk to your friends, maybe talk to your friends. They can teach you. So I think we've had a fantastic discussion about parenting. And I think if anything, I've learned that there is, and I guess I already knew this, but it's not one way. It's not one right way. It's not one way for each kid, not even each of your own kids mm -hmm. is there one way to do it. It's going to be through trial and error. It's going to be what works for you, your kid, your spouse, and whatever the situation is, because you're also going to be different for different situations for the same kid. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, like, just start up in the air and see what see what flies. <laughs> talk to other people because they're struggling too. You know, talk to your friends and see right. if their kids are struggling with the same things because they probably are, and they might be yeah. handling it differently, similarly to you. But we're all struggling. This is hard. This is very hard. It's the most difficult job, in my opinion, on earth. Period. Parenting is the toughest thing you're going to be, you're going to do. I agree. Well, I learned that I really need to like reevaluate these sex ed conversations and how I go about them because I don't want to shame anyone into having sex, but just don't have it. Abstinence is the key. 
Abstinence. Abstinence. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just till you're 30, then go go crazy. Or 45. <laughs> never, never too too late. Never too exactly. late. Exactly. Abstinence. Um, what is it? Promise or something? The chastity promise. Yep. You even get a little ring if you prefer to do that. Oh, here I go. I'm going to go buy some this weekend. <laughs> well, this was great. I definitely learned a ton. And I'm going to have to come back and let you know what I researched from the sex ed. We're gonna, we might have to pick this conversation up again. But thank you, everyone, for listening to Not Your Mama's Drama. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Please, again, always feel free to like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, and send us your questions. We are very open to talking about whatever you guys want to get into. Yep, that's right. Well, bye, everyone. See you next time. Bye, guys.